I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. As usual, this is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're in for a very special episode. Today we are going to step into the time machine and we are going to go back all the way to 1992. Because today I am going to talk about the 1992 NFC Championship and as we get to that I will have to discuss the 1992 season along the way. The truth of the matter ladies and gentlemen is that this is actually kind of funny. That the 1992 NFC Championship took day, the day before yours truly, the Bear of Texas, was born. This game took place January 17th, 1993, and my birthday is January 18th, 1993. By the way, that means my birthday is this coming Monday, and I'm turning 28 years old. And just look and look how, how long it's been since that 1992 NFC Championship for some people, it feels like yesterday, but for a lot of us, it certainly feels like it's been forever. But in my case, I wasn't born, I wasn't a fan of the time, so I don't know how to feel. But I know damn well that those fans that were watching the Cowboys in the 90s that were really enjoying the success, boy, do they miss it. And quite frankly, I do not blame them. 1992 was truly a special year for the Dallas Cowboys. Because 1991 was finally the year where things began to turn around. Okay. 1989, of course, what we remember is Tom Landry got fired. The Cowboys went 1-15. The Herschel Walker trade came came to place that year. Things really changed. And most specifically, that was Troy Aikman's rookie season with the Dallas Cowboys. Wasn't the best year for him, but, you know, he was a rookie. There wasn't many weapons. Going to 1990, the Cowboys, you know, of course, got Emmett Smith in the first round, and you know, of course, you know that was, you know, I believe that was from one of the picks from the Herschel Walker trade. I really feel bad talking about that trade because my good friend and mentor Steve, who's a native Minnesotan, obviously is still, you know, this trade still stings him personally, and every time I have to bring it up, I know how bad it, how bad it must make him feel. But Steve, you gotta understand, bro. It's this is just business. It's not personal. But anyway. Cowboys go seven and nine, miss the playoffs, but Emmett Smith uh, wins the Offensive Rookie of the Year award, and then Jimmy Johnson wins Coach of the Year award. So that must that, that that's gotta tell me that despite the fact the Cowboys were seven and nine, fourth in the NFC East, okay, there might have been a spark in the momentum for the future. The future was probably getting bright. Now after the 1991 season concluded, after they went eleven and five. Defeated the Bears in the wild card in Chicago, but then it was followed by a 38-6 thrashing loss to the Detroit Lions in the divisional playoffs. So things were still not there, but things were better than years before. Which brings us to the Dallas Cowboys season in 1992, 13-3 finish, their best record since the NFL made the made a 16-game schedule in 1978. Now, let's take a look at the Dallas Cowboys season of 1922. I'm looking at the roster, of course, Troy Aikman. You know, I'm going to go through the names that we all know, of course. There's Troy Aikman, 
Daryl Moose Johnston, Emmett Smith, Alvin Harper, Michael Irvin, Jay Novacek, Nate Newton, Tony Casillas, Charles Haley, Jim Jeffcoat, the son of Jackson Jeffcoat, who played at the University of Texas, Leon Lett, Russell Maryland, Ken Norton Jr., Larry Brown, Darren Woodson, Lynn Elliott, who was the kicker. Man, all these fans, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably feeling so nostalgic right now because I really am in the, in the way back machine. Certainly a memorable season, you know, and, and it's really hard for me to, under, to actually, you know, grasp the concept or the, or the fact that I was not born. I mean, this is just way, this is just right before I was born. But then again, even if I was born, you know, I can honestly say still, I am too young to remember because in my situation, in my case, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the Cowboys winning the Super Bowls in the 90s, God damn it, I am too young to remember. And furthermore, I was I was not even in this country. I was in my native France. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure some might say that, you know, the, of course, NFL was available there at the time, but uh, Lord knows how difficult it was. But, uh, <laughs> well... Of course, the 1992 Cowboys season, the the franchise's 33rd season in the NFL. It was the fourth year under Jimmy Johnson, okay? But this is where things really started going because, of course, in 1992, the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl. This was their first of three Super Bowl appearances between 1995, excuse me, between 1992 and 1995. You know, Dallas just had a powerful offense, you know, I believe that year, the NFL's number one ranked defense as well, pretty good defense, and a very young team as well, you know, things just really had to be bright in the future, it's good that they have a young team that was well-disciplined, that was talent, that was hungry, I mean, that explains, of course, you know, how they were able to win, you know, three championships, you know, within the next four years, but of course, you know, all, all the picks we got in the, in the Herschel Walker trade, again, I'm sorry, Steve, but, uh, you know, really, things were just going well for the Cowboys. I, you know, I, I just can't imagine during that time if I'm, you know, a, a young dr- sports writer in my twenties, you know, covering all this. I mean, it certainly would be a life-changing event. I mean, here I am today, you know, when the Cowboys are still fi- struggling to find that successful groove that they had back in the nineties because it's still not there. I mean, Lord knows when it'll come back. But now, looking at the schedule, of course, again, thirteen and three. Start off with a. Week one win against the Washington football team. You know, of course, at the time they were the Redskins. You know, going, you know, starting out their first two, the first two games. You know, actually three games uh, were at NFC East. Actually, you make that five. Their first five games were the N- N- NFC East because keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, during that time, then the NFC East was a little bit different because if I remember correctly, uh, there was actually five teams in the, in the NFC East during that time. Yes, correct. Of course, you know, aside, you know. Those the Cowboys, Eagles, you know, Redskins and Giants, but also the Phoenix Cardinals, who are now the Arizona Cardinals, who are part of the NFC East. So, as I'm taking a look at that schedule, the first five games, all NFC East opponents, okay, and the Cowboys go four and one during that stretch. Had a great. Let's check this out. So we'll start off to three and zero. Oh, wait. You know what? Actually, I should take that back. I should have paid more attention. That was actually that bye week. So Cowboys start 3-0 and and then have the bye week. And then suffer a 31-7 loss to the Eagles in Philadelphia to up, go up to 3-1. to 
but then they go on a five-game winning streak to go to eight to one, and then suffer a loss, a home loss to the L.A. Rams, but then another three-game winning streak, and then a loss to the Washington Football Team in Washington, followed by you know finishing it two, finishing it with two nothing, a two nothing, two and zero record. Excuse me, to go thirteen and three. Here's a couple of things I should mention. It was only the third defense since 1980 to hold opponents fewer than 4,000 yards in a 16-game season. Wow. Of course, the other two teams will be the 1984 Chicago Bears and the 91 Philadelphia Eagles. It was the second defense to be ranked number one in fewest yards. <laughs> wow. The defense finished first in the NFL in total defense, averaging close to 246 yards per game. Wow. The secondary finished the year fifth in passing defense. Led the NFL in defense against the rush. Fewest first downs allowed. Wow. Led the league in preventing third down conversions. Wow. Man, this Dallas team was so amazing. <laughs> A 27.2% converted. Wow. <laughs> of course, that was right behind the Seattle Seahawks who were at just, you know, like that. Actually, Seattle was ranked just below me. I really got to pay closer attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> the exhaustion is just really killing me. I really got to work on this uh, recording schedule. But, God. And check, check this out. In one of the games against the Seattle Seahawks in the 27th victory, the Cowboys held the Seahawks to 62 yards. And then they, when they closed the season, they held the Bears to less than 100 yards. Now, assuming this is total yards of the game, holy shit, that is impressive. Now I am tempted to interview Cowboy fans that remember those days. How did it feel to see the Cowboys defense play like this? Because considering how terrible the defense is today... <laughs> And, of course, as we know, during the Super Bowl that year, the Cowboys defeated the Bills 52-17, to recording nine turnovers, five fumbles, four interceptions, <laughs> scoring two touchdowns off the turnovers, too. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, that version that year of Doomsday Defense was, was, of course, known for the amazing speed, the depth chart. I mean, the Cowboys were loaded, and they were just such a strong team. According to this, check this out as I'm, as I'm reading these notes. The starters, the age was an average of 25 years of, of age. I mean, that is a pretty young team, so you really got things built for the future. But now we're going to jump into the playoffs as we get to the main discussion of the game, the 1992 NFC Championship, ladies and gentlemen. So, of course, since the Cowboys finished 13-3, and the Cowboys actually had a bye in the playoffs. No wildcard game, okay? But then we get to the playoffs, so... The January second, nineteen ninety three. Still yet not to be born. This is probably this is like sixteen days before I was born. The Washington Redskins, of course, would play the Vikings and win twenty four to seven. While the Eagles would take care of the New Orleans Saints, and actually quite an interesting game. So the Eagles would win thirty six to twenty. At halftime, the Saints were up seventeen to seven. At the end of the third quarter, it was tied at twenty. And in the fourth quarter, the Eagles just went twenty six unanswered points to send the Saints home. Well, well, that's pretty interesting. And and from the notes I read, you know, the Eagles were actually down twenty to ten late in the third quarter. Actually, you know, I should mention it was not twenty to twenty at th third quarter. I mean, my math is is now off. So as I'm going back to reading the notes, yes, it was twenty to ten in the third quarter until you know the Eagles scored twenty six unanswered points. Well, I guess I should say the Eagles really, you know. They were eager to play, you know, their, already their, their rivals in the divisional playoffs. 
Well, as y'all mentioned already, okay, what's interesting, okay, this game rematch was at Texas Stadium, of course, in Irving. But Dallas really took care of business in this game. Dallas defeating Philadelphia 34-10. to You know, I just wish I can go back and watch this game. I mean, I, I just I can imagine myself being a teenager, wearing like wearing a Cowboys jersey. You know, at the time, I would probably be wearing an Aikman or Urban or Smith jersey. You know, ha- hanging out with a bunch of fellow Cowboy friends, you know, enjoying a nice cold drink, <clears throat> being nervous as hell, but then watching the outcome of this game and just being overwhelmed with emotion. Five sacks the Cowboys had that day. Two by Russell Maryland as well as Tony Talbert. And they held the Eagles offense to 178 yards. And of course, just 10 points. That must have been one of the keys to the game right there. Or one of the key factors. Five quarterback sacks. I mean, the more sacks you get in the game, the better you're going to do. Especially if you're able to take advantage of these opportunities. When you sack the quarterback, you push them back, and they can't take advantage. You got to take advantage yourself, ladies and gentlemen. You have to go and score those points. You got to stay ahead of your opponent, okay? Because in these divisional playoff games, you want to be at least two to three steps ahead, okay? Even especially if you're early on in the game. If you take these steps early in the game, and then as the game progresses closer and closer, you want to get yourself up to five steps ahead. Hell, maybe even ten. <laughs> the bottom line is. You want to put the game out of reach as quickly as possible. And most importantly, you want to keep the game out of reach. Really taking y'all to school now, aren't I? So based on what I'm reading, oh. Eagles scored on the opening drive of the game. Held the ball for 7 minutes. And and to kick a 32-yard field goal. Well, then Dallas really wanted to tear because according to this, the Cowboys scored 34 consecutive points. Excuse me. Sorry, getting a little, drunk some water, got a little choked up. It really sucks when you swallow water the wrong way. But the Cowboys would score 34 unanswered points. So judging from the fact that they did in fact look at the film from the Eagles game, they said to themselves, huh, so if the Eagles want to score 26 unanswered points, we're going to go ahead and do better. We're going to score 34 unanswered points, and that's exactly what they did. <sighs> Check this out. Third quarter, Dallas held the ball for more than 12 minutes and registered 176 yards while holding the Eagles to negative 16. Holy shit! You know, this is one of the benefits of gathering your notes and, and you know, as you bring up all these sources, you know, just, just, just to prove your points from all these notes I'm taking, all the stuff I'm learning. Wow, I, I never knew this. I mean, it's, it's not so much because I, I was this was before I was born, but I never bothered to do such a deep research to learn about this game. You know, this is just unbelievable. So, of course, late in the fourth quarter, I, I guess they decided just to pull Emmett Smith out of the game, you know, and then, you know, just to give the... Back up a little bit of time to play, but <laughs> but then of course you know with thirty with fifty seconds left the Eagles you know decide to score a touchdown you know I guess for a little bit of pride pride but uh, it was too little too late the Cowboys were already advancing and the Eagles were going home so I guess we can say one of the best moments of the rivalry between the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles in a Cowboys perspective it has to be the nineteen ninety two divisional playoffs win against the Eagles. 
Oh man, oh man, oh man. I just you know, now I'm really wishing I had been alive, you know, the, and old enough to remember this game. But now we get to the 1992 NFC Championship. The Dallas Cowboys versus the San Francisco 49ers. And what's special, ladies and gentlemen, this was the first meeting of these two would go on to meet two more times in the next coming years. 1992, 93, and 94, Dallas versus San Francisco, one of the most unique and historic playoff rivalries in the history of not only the NFL playoffs, but in the history of the National Football League itself. Furthermore, one of the best things in the history of American football itself. The Cowboys versus the 49ers, 90s playoffs. Now shit just got real. Now here's something interesting, okay? This was a rematch. This was a rematch from the divisional game. Actually, I should say from the NFC Championship game. Because, actually, this is an NFC Championship game. I apologize. My head is really spinning. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm so overcome with excitement right now and emotion because I'm learning so much. And it's all these notes provided to me. I mean, I really got to thank the sources. I really got to shake their hand. Thank you so much for helping me make my show do something because you guys are important to me, just like these loyal listeners. But anyway, so, of course... This was a rematch from the 1981 NFC Championship. Well, we all remember, we all remember how how that how that and how that ended up. Now, don't we? Dwight Clark, <laughs> 49ers, really just driving down the field. You know, I you know Cowboys were I believe were they leading 27-21, and then all of a sudden you know the you know that that thing would be remembered as the catch if I remember correctly. So. <laughs> It, it it must it, it must have been really been heartbreaking that time, but you know, but but the catch itself is actually what is believed by many to what has caused or or what of uh, what was the birth of the '80s 49ers dynasty. I know I to- I totally get that. I to I totally get that because I mean the 49ers were going to win the Super Bowl that year, didn't they? But, and, and, and like I said, I mean, of course, you know, why else would they say that this was the birth of the 49ers' 80s of, of dynasty? Because, I mean, that, that was the 80s, you know, in the NFL. I mean, it, w- it was the 49ers that were really in charge, you know. Coach uh, at the time, uh, in the especially in the 80s, you know, during the prime of, of that dynasty, I think was Bill Walsh. Before uh, Bill Walsh, was, was re- I think, left or uh, I don't know what happened, but before he left and decided to go someplace else and then, a coach named George Seifert came in came into play, but yes, yeah, okay, yeah. So uh, my thoughts have been confirmed. Yes, the the 49ers went on to win. You know, they beat the Bengals 26-21 in the Super Bowl. Joe Montana would go on to be uh, the Super Bowl MVP, and Bill Walsh was the coach of the year. I mean, this is when really when the dynasty of Joe Montana really started. Of course, you know, the the next two, you know, the next year in '82, the 49ers wouldn't go wouldn't miss the playoffs. They they would go they would go back in '83 but lose in the NFC Championship to the Washington Redskins. Of course, then they would go back the year after in '84. Joe Montana would would be Super Bowl MVP after San Francisco demolished Miami in the Super Bowl. It was really that. But anyway, back to the championship itself. But it was really interesting, you know, just a little bit, a little over ten years later to finally have a, have a rematch. I mean, it was truly long overdue, wasn't it? But now that I'm putting these facts, I mean, the urge is just eating me inside. I mean, the urge of just wanting to go back in time and to see this game. I mean, think about it. 
It really wasn't that long ago, was it? It just feels like it's been such a goddamn eternity. But, what, what I should point out is that, you know, there's really no way in hell, no way in hell that the Cowboys could have been favored over the 49ers. Because the 49ers came into this game, uh, came into this game, uh, having uh, put up together a fourteen to two record in the in the regular season, okay. So that's the first thing to understand. Okay, fourteen and two. And San Francisco had won, of course, the four Super Bowls in the eighties. Okay, but that was when Joe Montana was quarterback in nineteen ninety two. I mean, this one, this was when Steve Young was really becoming the new franchise quarterback. I mean, during that time, you know, Joe Montana, and you know, still, you know. You know, we all remember in 1990, in, in the, I think it was the NFC Championship, or uh, whichever game it was. I mean, sometime there, um, Joe Montana suffered that elbow injury, and it caused him to miss the entire 1991 season. And during that time, Steve Young was put in at quarterback, and Steve Young put in really a huge amount of uh, positive results. I mean, keep in mind, Steve Young had been there for had been a Joe Montana's backup for four years. And every time Joe Montana would be out, you know, with an injury, and Steve Young would come in and, and put up a, together a respectable performance, you know, the 49ers really had the true successor of Joe Montana. Of course, you know, things didn't go so well. Joe Montana still wanted to play. Then Steve Young would say, I don't want to be the backup. I want to play. So I guess it got to the point where they traded Joe Montana to the Chiefs, and the rest is history. But anyway, since the 49ers had just put together such a dominance in the 80s, they wanted to take that dominance into the 90s because they had a bright quarterback like uh, by the name of Steve Young, Steve Young, behind the center, okay? So like I just said, Steve Young guided the 49ers to a 14-win season in the regular season, and obviously they were poised to just go back to the Super Bowl. I mean, the 49ers had everything. I mean, even though the Cowboys had that defense and, every, and you know, that great offense, but San Francisco was, was, was a team that was perfectly capable of of challenging that. I mean, San Francisco was perfectly capable of pulling off an upset. And the game was actually at Candlestick Park, okay? So with the 49ers with home field, home field advantage, you know, you know who knows what, what could have won. And, of course, this was actually, yeah, you know, this was the rematch, you know, t- uh, from 1981, but this was their first meeting in the NFC Championship since then. So, of course, that's why I call it the rematch. And this was the fifth postseason meeting between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And, you know, Dallas would go on to, Dallas would actually go on to kind of dominate, you know, that rivalry, you know, that playoff rivalry, but with the exception of 1994, we all remember how Deion Sanders got away with that interference on Michael Irvin, but, uh, well, Deion Sanders did go on to make up for it, didn't they? You know, going to these, watching the highlights of that game, you know, watching the short highlights, you know, to the big highlights, I really learned just how prepared, you know, how mature and how disciplined this Cowboys team was. I mean, keep in mind, Jimmy Johnson was the coach. But let's not forget, the 49ers were, were disciplined too. I mean, they had a good coach at the time, you know, by the name of George Seifert. You know, a guy that, certainly that, I'm sure that Wiley, a.k.a. the Venomous Stare, is certainly familiar with because, you know, Seifert being from the Cowboys, he's actually a Panthers fan. And George Seifert would go on to coach the Panthers, although didn't find any success over in Carolina. Oh, well, I don't know what happened. Sometimes you just have success with one team, you move on, that success just decides not to follow you. But anyway, going this, of course, like I said, the 49ers were certainly poised on this game. I mean, they were good, 
they had, they had they had all the bells and whistles, just like the Cowboys. But I think what gave the 49ers the slight advantage was because, keep in mind, like I said, the Cowboys were a pretty young team. The average age was 25 years of age, 25, 26 years old. While the 49ers had certainly, you know, talent as well, but, you know, I'm not sure how young their team was, but their team had had, had probably outclassed the Cowboys as far as experience goes, but uh, the Cowboys really decided to prove otherwise. But the Cowboys would pull off a 30-20 to win, forcing four turnovers, and Troy Aikman would throw for over 300 yards, while Emmett Smith ran for over 110 yards. Wow. Two interceptions by the Cowboys' defense. Uh, looking at the highlights on special teams after the 49ers would uh, fumble the punt. Uh, Daryl Moose Johnson would jump in and recover it. Then on, then on another play, I believe it was the on a running game, I believe. Or it, was either, it was either a passing or running game. But anyway, the Cowboys would force a fumble. It would be recovered by a safety, uh, Kelvin Smith. And, I mean, really, these turnovers were really a difference maker. But as I'm looking at these stats, you know, both teams, total of 24 first downs. Wow. Both, you know, Cowboys, you know, f- man, look at that. Total of seven combined sacks by, by the two team. You know, and, and check this out. Here's what's interesting. The Cowboys had a total of 416 total yards, while the 49ers had 415. I mean, how interesting is that? <laughs> Just a one-yard difference. A one-yard difference. Never would have thought. Never, never would have thought that. The Cowboys just, you know, I can't imagine how surprising it had to, it had to have been. You know, if I were a Cowboy fan during that time, I would have said maybe the Cowboys are going to put up a fight. But this San Francisco team is, I mean, they just they they just got through with the '80s. You know, dominating dominating the '80s. They're still loaded. I mean, they're probably stronger and you know and better than ever because they're loaded with, with newer young talent. But no, the Cowboys just decided, you know what? They may think they're better than us, but that remains to be seen because this game is going to prove who really is better, and the Cowboys proved it. <laughs> four, I mean, those four critical, of course, you know, the four critical turnovers helped them earn the win. Check this out. San Francisco's first drive of the game. San Francisco seemed to what could have been a 63-yard touchdown completion Steve Young to Jerry Rice. However, a holding penalty by a 49ers offensive line that apparently appears to be to have been controversial erased it. So the 49ers had to punt. The Cowboys on the next op- uh, ensuing drive, they too had to punt. But that's where things really started to take to make the change. That's when 49ers player by the name of Alan Grant fumbled the football after he got hit, and then Moose Daryl Moose Johnston would recover it on the 49ers 22. Now the Cowboys certainly had to take advantage. I would have said the Cowboys have to score on this play, but unfor- unfortunately, even though the Cowboys were able to get to the one yard line. The 49ers defense managed to keep him out of the end zone in three consecutive plays when the Cowboys just needed one yard, and the Cowboys had to take a 3 nothing lead. I mean, that's pretty frustrating. You know, the first play of the drive, a completion for 21 yards to go to the one-yard line, and you get and you get held out of it, you know, on three straight plays? I mean, if that's not frustrating, I don't know what is. I mean, in my opinion, that would scare the crap out of me because I would feel like that's going to change the entire outcome of the game. The Cowboys are going to lose their focus. 
they're going to lose their, their nerve, and, you know, the 49ers are going to take advantage, but that certainly did not happen, it, it did it. Although it seemed like it did because on the kickoff, the 49ers would have a 50-yard return, okay? But then the 49ers would drive down, and then Steve Young would, would run in a one-yard touchdown to give the 49ers a 7 nothing. excuse me, a 7-3 lead. The next drive for Dallas certainly was not good because Troy Aikman was sacked twice. <laughs> so the Cowboys punt again, and, they, and the, the 49ers would have field position at the Cowboys' 47-yard line. The Cowboys, now, now the 49ers, the Cowboys' defense really started to get a little bit overwhelmed so, because the 49ers would manage to make it to, to the 29-yard line, but the Cowboys would manage to uh, make a stop, and the 49ers would, would attempt a 47-yard field goal, but it missed. Well, there's another changing outcome of the game. So the Cowboys have to, but the Cowboys can't get anything out of it, so they punt again. And on, on the next drive, the 49ers fumble the ball. That's what it was recovered, of course, by the guy, Kevin Smith. That's where things really started, had to really take, <laughs> really had to change, really. <laughs> because it was then where the Cowboys would finally make score the a touchdown, courtesy of Emmett Smith on a four-yard touchdown run to give the Cowboys a 10-7 lead. Wow. But then the 49ers are really starting to knock on the door again because a amazing 21-yard reception by none other than Jerry Rice himself, arguably the greatest receiver of all time, sorry Michael Irvin, helps the Cowboys helps the 49ers offense drive to the Cowboys 10-yard line. But once again, the Cowboys defense pull it off somehow and force the 49ers to kick a field goal which this time went through. And it's a 10-10 it's a 10-10 tie at halftime. Well, well, well. Now things are really really getting inter- interesting. Both teams are fighting tooth and nail. Both teams have made some mistakes, have not taken full advantage of opportunities, but somehow both teams, you know, really trade a touchdown, trade a field goal. It's 10-10 apiece. It's still anybody's game. Anything could happen. But I got to be honest with you. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, i got to admit, this is sometimes what we want from an NFC Championship game, especially if we want a game to where we can say, how can you not be entertained? The game is still anybody's game. You really want to see it fought to the to the end. You don't want to see it uh, over early. I mean, but, but Some people might say, some, a lot of Cowboys fans would say, the Cowboys, they want the Cowboys to be up by 40 points at halftime. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, maybe in a Cowboys fan perspective, I would probably agree with that, but... In a sports writing perspective, I'd still want the game to be anybody's game because keep in mind, I want the story. I want a whole story to talk about. If the Cowboys are up by that much at halftime, the game's already over, then really, there's not as much to talk about now, is there? Like, I couldn't do a good episode for you guys if I had the show at the time, but back then there was no podcasting. I mean, I don't even know what there was as far as the computers go. I mean, I just, <laughs> back then, no smartphones. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine how life was back then, but then again, I should be lucky that in the millennial uh, era that I live in that you no, know, I have smartphones and everything, including Twitter and everything where I can get all these notes and sources. <sighs> but anyway, so the Cowboys, after the halftime, the Cowboys really made the change because the Cowboys received the second half kickoff. 
they would march nearly 80 yards for a score. And the highlight of that certain drive, ladies and gentlemen, was Troy Aikman's 38-yard completion to a player by the name of Alvin Harper. We all remember the Alvin Harper and Michael Irvin connection in the 90s. I mean, you have the star receiver, but you need the other guy too. <laughs> when there was Des Bryant and Terrence uh, Williams, I would, I would tell my, my good friend Grant, does that remind you of anything, Grant? And he would say, yeah, Michael, Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper. <laughs> Although, unfortunately, that didn't work out too good, but the Cowboys will make it 17-10. to now, if I'm a fan, I'm like, okay, well, Dallas got lucky enough to score, but I would, if, if I was watching that game with Grant or Wiley, I'm like, well, now San Francisco's pretty fucking mad. So don't be surprised if San Francisco, just like that, marches down the field and, and does stops at nothing in an attempt to tie the game again. But the Cowboys hold the 49ers to, uh, to a field goal. It's 17-13. But the Cowboys are now really... Now, it's what I said earlier. Remember when I said you want to be at least two to three steps ahead? Now the Cowboys, now they want to take that. They want to take that advantage of that. Now they want to do exactly what I said. Because now they know they have to score, so they can be two steps ahead. I mean, this is the second half, okay? But now we get you know early in the fourth quarter, all right? Because after the after the end of the uh, third quarter. The Cowboys had a 17-13 lead, like I just said. Now that you're in the fourth quarter, you really want to be ahead of your opponent big time. Absolute big time. And then Emmett Smith, on a wide-open pass, 16-yard pass from Troy Aikman, scores a touchdown to give the Cowboys a 24-13 early fourth quarter lead. Now, if you're the 49ers, you're really not, you're really not happy, are you? But the 49ers try to come back, okay? But then it comes to the point where Steve Young throws a pass, okay? But it's intercepted by none other than Ken Norton Jr. <laughs> but the Cowboys really couldn't take advantage of that. The Cowboys' uh, uh, ensuing offensive drive would stop at the San Francisco 7. And from what I'm reading right here, according to a source from blogging the boys, okay, at the seven, Jimmy Johnson did not want to go for the field goal because, like I said, they were two steps ahead. Now you want to go three steps ahead. That that's where I get all this kind of scenario. This is where I get that mentality. You want to be steps ahead, okay? So so some might say, did did I learn that from Jimmy Johnson? You know what? Maybe I did, or maybe I just figured it out on my own. But I just know that in football or in any sports, you always want to be multiple steps ahead of your opponent. You always want to be. You always have the advantage. You don't want to give it to your opponent. You don't, you don't want to give your opponent a chance to win or take it away from you. No, you want to frustrate the hell of them. You want to get in their head. But anyway, Jimmy Johnson says no, no field goal. He opts to go for it. So they try. They run the ball, but Emmett Smith was stuffed, and that's when things really got really bad. Because it was a turnover on downs. And the San Francisco 49ers would drive 93 yards. That would end with Jerry Rice on a 5-yard touch and reception. That would cut the game's uh, score 24-20. to With only a little bit over 4 minutes left in the game. In that scenario, if I was a fan, I would probably 
start pulling my hair out. Because knowing how the Cowboys are today, when there's four minutes left and, and they, they make a huge mistake, what goes from an 11 point lead to just a six point to just a four point lead? Yeah, you're damn right I'm in panic mode. I mean, Wiley will probably have to call me down and say, hey, don't worry, Alex, the Cowboys got this. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I don't even know, I mean, Wiley's not always like that. I mean, sometimes he is, because sometimes Wiley has all the confidence and he can feel it, but uh, I'm not the same. Now, the Cowboys really got to do something with this. If the Cowboys don't score, or don't put any points on the, on the, on, on the board, now you're really screwed. You're screwed big time. And check this out from the notes. The offensive coordinator at the time, Norv Turner, goes to Jimmy Johnson and asks, what do you want to do? you want to run? Do you want to pass? And Jimmy Johnson replies to him, and I quote, I want to score. <laughs> Basically, Jimmy Johnson was telling Norv Turner, I want to win. <laughs> That's just the mentality I was talking about earlier. Jimmy Johnson's mentality it really took a toll on the Cowboys players. I mean, Jimmy Johnson really, you know, knew how to how to, how to get his get his players disciplined. Jimmy Johnson's not gonna tolerate sloppy play, lack of commitment, lack lack of dedication. If you don't want to play football, and Jimmy Johnson saw that through you, believe me, you would not be on his team. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, you simply got what you wanted. So, and the Cowboys take the kickoff, okay? But then we're gonna we're gonna see how things go. Well, a couple of plays like that, you know, things actually seem to go well, okay? But then they do, they try this play, all right? Troy Aikman, under center, goes back, completes a pass to Harper, I believe. Uh, it was Alvin Harper, okay? And that play, I don't remember exactly how that play goes. I tried to find that highlight, but I couldn't see it, but I couldn't find it, or maybe I just didn't play, I didn't pay attention at all. But the Cowboys would go running up the field on a 70-yard gain to the San Francisco 9-yard line. Now, here, this is really where I get really exciting, okay? Because the Cow but, but then at the same time, I'm getting nervous because if the Cowboys don't take advantage, then it was all for naught, okay? Really all for naught, Sorry, sorry, kind of got choked up again. Uh, I really apologize. I'm really, really getting nervous, but. But now the Cowboys really find the place in, in such a. Quite a predicament because, you know, I mean, I don't know who's in the bigger predicament, the Cowboys or the, or the 49ers in that scenario. I mean, the Cowboys just had a 70 yard play that, that got him there. And of course, you know, thankfully there, there was no flags. So. What do you do from here? Do you keep passing or do you keep running the ball? Well, I really don't know what to tell you. You because you know, as I before I, I get too deep in in, in this one, I really gotta tell y'all, okay. After that 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 certain play, I mean, remember how Jimmy Johnson says, you know, he he says to North Turner, "I want to win," right? Then you the really, then he's really he's really serious about this whole thing, so. But, I just, you know, I'm just like, you know, you win at all costs, okay? 
you gotta go. You you, you gotta go for for the best. Okay. All right. So I wanted to. Actually, I took. A, I, I'm sorry. I slowed down because I actually wanted to confirm because I don't want to tell you a bunch of lies. But anyway, after the kickoff, Aikman didn't in fact complete a 14-yard pass to Alvin Harper, but since he was able to break free, it ended up being a 70-yard gain. Okay. I did actually go back to see the video because I wanted to confirm. I apologize. I did not confirm it earlier. You know, like I said, you know, things are just going crazy. My mind, my head is spinning, but glad I was able to go. Okay. So that their nine-yard line. Three plays later, a wide receiver, Kelvin Martin, scores on a six-yard touchdown reception to make it 30-20. to 20. The extra point apparently seemed to be blocked. Well, that's frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> Thirty-one twenty <laughs> thing is blocked. But yes, I'm looking at the highlight. Look at that. Alvin Harper got bro the ta ta the defensive back slipped, and Alvin Harper really broke free. But then he he get you know catches up to him, and he is taken down. Emmett Smith. Look, look. I'm sorry, Troy Aikman. Yep. Look at that play. Thought it looked to be incomplete. That that was really that was really the game changing moment. So I'm really I really am glad I went back to uh, confirm this. And, and and I apologize for some of the sloppiness. You know, like I said, my mind is spinning. You know, things in my personal life are a little bit stressful, and, and I really don't want to stop that from giving y'all a show. But uh, glad I confirmed everything. All right. So of course, and that and the Cowboys have a ten point lead now, with three uh, three minutes and forty three seconds left to play. Now that's really where the Cowboys came up clutch. And that's where you really need the defense to come up clutch. Okay. So the 49ers attempt one last drive to come back. However, free safety, James Washington, at exactly the two-minute warning, intercepts a pass by Steve Young. And boom, the game is over. And they intercepted right at the perfect time. You intercept the pass at the two-minute warning, Okay. Now, I don't know how many timeouts the 49ers still had at the time, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I tried to research that, but I couldn't find it. But I'm not sure if – I'm not even sure. I mean, the highlights is, you know, the highlights showed, you know, right before, you know, the two-minute mark, yeah, as that, you know, it's it's when the, when, when Kelvin's – when the uh, – excuse me, when the safety was taken down, it was 1 minute and 59 seconds. So, you know, so that was the two-minute warning. So the Cowboys really just had to drive down – just get a couple – maybe get one more first down or – if the 49ers were already out of timeouts, or I would assume they might have had just one left, but that play was really what ended the game. And it really gave the Cowboys, you know, just that favor. But, you know, but going back to the highlights, you know, Aikman, 322 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Emmett Smith, 114 yards on 24 carries, caught seven passes for 59 yards, scored twice. Alvin Harper, three passes for 179 yards. Uh, excuse me, 117 yards. Three sacks by Tony Casillas. <laughs> wow. I mean, that that's how you win a playoff game. You know how they say defense wins championship? I mean, the Cowboys defense really came up through clutch big time this time. Three sacks by, you know, on one player. Intercepting a, a pass. You know, when you're up by 10, you know, with, with less than two minutes left. And... Here's the main highlight from from this whole game. This is what Cowboys fans remember most out of this game. In the in the locker room after the game, Jimmy Johnson famously said, "Help out them Cowboys." <laughs> wow. That game, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's the game 
that really started the Cowboys dynasty. You remember how back in 1981, the Cats started the 49ers dynasty? Well, there you go. The Cowboys start their own dynasty in San Francisco where, where the 49ers started their dynasty 10 years prior. That game, the 1992 NFC Championship, is what started it all for the Cowboys in the 90s. It was just the beginning. And of course, the Cowboys go on to the Super Bowl to meet the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys win 52-17. to <laughs> Troy Aikman will go on to be the Super Bowl MVP. How exciting could that have been, you know, for a Cowboy fan? <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't just say it just like that, okay? But forcing four turnovers in that game, you know, and playing at Candlestick Park, you know, and I should mention the conditions in that game, you know, Candlestick Park from the from the highlights, I mean, pretty harsh conditions. You know, it was muddy. I'm guessing the weather wasn't pretty. I mean, I'm told that in January, in the like, in the early uh, months of a uh, of the year in San Francisco, the weather is never really pretty. I mean, they say yet to have the best San Francisco weather, you, you got to go there during the summer, right? <laughs> but, you know, and here's a, a special uh, fact about this game. Combined 831 yards from both teams, you know. Since, and, and this was the, you know, and this was the first Cowboys win over the 49ers since 1980. I mean, the Cowboys really did it in, in spectacular style. They couldn't have won an NFC Championship in better fashion. And a year, uh, that next year, a rematch at Texas Stadium, the Cowboys, man, Troy Aikman just lit that, that 49ers defense like a Christmas tree, and the Cowboys would win their second straight NFC Championship against San Francisco, 38-21, to although San Francisco got revenge next year. But, man... It was not only the beginning of the Cowboys, you know, dynasty, but it really started writing the history books. A little chapter: Dallas versus San Francisco in the playoffs. I mean, this was when the teams were just the best teams in the NFL. Like you could not talk about football without mentioning these guys, mentioning these clubs, I should say. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate y'all sitting with me today. Again, I apologize for a little bit of the inaccuracy or the little bit of the uh, stopping. You know, like I said, you know, I, I. I I had a little choking incident in, the, in this episode. I know I drank water; it went the wrong way, and I was trying so hard to, to not cough over the air. That, that's why I kind of made those funny sounds. So I apologize, but uh, but I gotta tell y'all, you know, doing all the research for this game, writing down all these notes, you know, it, it was worth it. It really was because I want to give you, you know, as much information as possible, make the episode as, as great as, as it has. This show's been getting momentum. All you loyal listeners out there, I so appreciate it, and I want to just do better and give you guys more and more content to look forward to. Forward to. You know, I just want to say I, I can't do this without y'all, and I really appreciate that. You guys are awesome. Cowboys Talk is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Please follow and subscribe. Please leave a rating on Apple, and I will see you next time.